It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties. you got to go stay someplace. You're traveling. You need to uh, stay at a hotel. Then uh, make sure you stay at a Holiday Inn property. Why? Well, not only is it a great place to stay, but... We can get you a Billy C. discount. That's right. Make your reservations by calling our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. Or just click the banner up on BillyCBoxing.com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. It's a true one. It's a great one. Read it. You want a signed copy? Visit the website, billycboxing.com. Click on the book and follow the directions. You want more than one? Email me then. We'll hook you right up. Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Coming up a little bit later, Blast from the Past time. That's right, it's time for uh, our Blast from the Past. Alex Papali will be joining us a little bit later. This week's Blast from the Past is on former uh, world champion William Choppy. And this was from uh, another request. If you have a Blast from the Past request, just drop me an email. What, you don't know the email just by now? Come on, man. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, also coming up a little bit later, my man Larry Hazard is uh, stopping by. We'll get his thoughts on uh, some of the main topics today. What are the main topics today? Well, you know, I, I can't help but think and and wonder, uh, first of all, this world. She's a change. She's a change. She's a change right before our eyes, right? But... When, I, I don't know when it all flipped the switch, and now fighters, and, and, and you know, it's not, just, it's not just in the boxing game. 
it's in all sports. Why? You know, let, let me just say this. A, an individual, you know, so if you're talking about a team sport uh, or if you're talking, you know, obviously fighters or whatever, and they want to make a comment, social media is a great tool, right? But why has it all of a sudden become a tool for negotiation? Why do fighters and, and especially, you know, in our business, why do fighters and promoters have a tendency to use social media and or the media to do their negotiating? What happened to negotiation uh, behind closed doors or, or via paper trail or, you know, in a professional manner? Why, uh, you know, are things being dragged through social media or the media? And the two topics today uh, are uh, Deontay Wilder uh, going up against Anthony Joshua. And then, of course, uh, the whole situation with uh, Oscar De La Hoya uh, and his comments concerning Triple G and uh, Canelo's rematch or potential rematch. Let's start off uh, with uh, uh, Anthony Joshua uh, and Deontay Wilder. Yesterday, Deontay Wilder uh, made uh, uh, a couple of comments. Now, Deontay uncharacteristically of himself, has been extremely quiet uh, since the negotiations between Team AJ and Team Deontay have seriously been been working. I mean, you know, both sides have been kind of quiet, which is a good sign. I like that. No news is good news, right? But yesterday, Deontay Wilder broke that silence, and he made a comment about the fight. And he said that uh, they actually have two potential dates, well, months, uh, and locations. Now, this is all Anthony, I'm sorry, this is all Deontay Wilder's uh, comments, okay? And, and which is also a whole other thing. The funny thing about Team Wilder is Deontay's doing all the talking. We've never heard uh, anything from anyone else, the powers that be that drive his team. On the other side of the coin, where you have Anthony Joshua, yes, Anthony Joshua has made comments in the media and social media about his desire, but all the terms have been negotiated or discussed by his promoter, who's in the position to do so, and that's Eddie Hearn. Deontay Wilder's quote, and I quote, says, if we have the fight in England, it'll be in September, but if this fight's in America, then it's going to be in November. Almost sounds like a, 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 one of those uh, a cat in a hat rhymes, right? But uh, he says, we're still in negotiations, so I don't have a time frame on it just yet. But I want to let everyone know that this fight will happen. If they're serious, uh, I, I'm sorry, if they're still serious, meaning Team AJ, we've been serious this whole way through. Joshua said he wanted the $50 million and he had signed tomorrow. We did exactly what he said, and he didn't sign. So that shows you about his character or his team's character. I think Joshua does want to fight, but I don't think his team wants to risk all the money they've invested in him. Their investment is about to go, and they know it. Um, joining me right now to get his comments first on the uh, quote is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, Sal, uh, as you choke on your coffee there, uh, what <laughs> yeah. is... Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Good morning. Yeah, you <laughs> I should have been watching. But, uh, um, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on, on Wilder uh, breaking his silence, so to speak, and saying, you know, that there are... Uh, that they're still negotiating, which is a good sign, 
and if the fight happens in uh, England, it'll be in September. And if it happens in uh, uh, America, it's going to be in November. What's your thoughts? Well, that's a positive thing. Uh, the fight is going to happen. And, and that's what I've been trying to say all along, that it's going to just be uh, announced after all the rhetoric and all the, uh, as I use that term, ebb and flow of what's going to happen here, there, and everywhere. But uh, it's going to finally be announced. Guess what? We have a deal. It's set. This is what's going to unroll, and uh, it's going to be definite. And that's 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 how this thing is going to play out. Uh, they're using the social media to spar, if you will, no pun intended, but maybe yes, it was. Uh, and and that's basically why you know when you were talking about the the use of the social media and how powerful it is. Well, it is. It's here to stay, and it's a it's a it's a it's a wagon train that everybody wants to jump on because it's it's popular. It's what is the best instant release of news. And uh, uh, I mean, you know, you look at you know how we've evolved from newspapers to news on on radio, TV, and boom! Now you have things happening right before us, alive, uh, streaming, and everything else. And so they're playing it out through the social media, and it it, it it's adding some of the intrigue to others but it's also frustrating to me uh but the bottom line is it's going to be negotiated it's going to be hammered out and it's going to be announced and it's going to be set and we're going to see it this year so that's the good news well my point is about the social media is i don't think that deals should be negotiated through social media i I think i think it's uh because it's too much of a Hey, it came out on the social media. That doesn't mean it's official. But a lot of fans regard it as official. You know, like, for example, the verbiage that Deontay Wilder is using, once again, he mentions that they offered. We, get, we gave him the $50 million and he still hasn't signed. The truth of the matter is, is he said, I'll give you $50 million. He said it. There has been no substantial backing That's of that. That's what he said. Right. That's what he said. No substantial backing, okay? Uh, you know, I, I, I never has a fighter, um, may, maybe Floyd Mayweather, but that's a different case. Never has a fighter, um, you know, uh, handled who's going to get paid what and, and, and mention it without any paper trail. You know, so, so that whole $50 million uh, offer to me has always I've always maintained that it was just a, a PR ploy and it worked. I mean, it got the sides talking, but he keeps utilizing that as a you know legit a, a legitimate uh, offer, like it was made on paper and Team Anthony Joshua was not taking it. Um, you know, with that said, uh, you know, of course they're serious about the fight. We don't know what the what the stumbling blocks are. You know, there's no way that the fight should take place in the United States. Deontay Wilder just doesn't have the juice to have this fight in the USA. And neither neither should Anthony Joshua be forced in any way, shape, or form to conform uh, to, uh, to, to uh, Deontay Wilder's demands. The bottom line is it's a fight that everyone wants, and Anthony Joshua should receive a bigger piece of the pie not, I don't think Deontay should get as small of a piece as originally was offered, but I do believe a 60-40 split 
uh, having the fight in the UK, if they're only going to do one, I gave everybody the blueprint to, to financial uh, success and fight success. But, um, but the truth of the matter is, is it should be a 60-40 split. I don't know what the big deal is. Uh, you know, the, the wilder side is always talking about how AJ is not doing it. But obviously, if the team from uh, Anthony Joshua, if, if Eddie Hearn and company are saying, listen, you know, here's what it's going to be. You got to fight in England. And Deontay's still saying, no, we want this, we want that. He never mentions what the stumbling blocks are. His verbiage is always, if they still want to fight, we gave him 50 million. He's not taking it. They're scared. That is, that, that, the other thing. And, you know, there's always three sides to the story. AJ's, Deontay's, and then the truth. What's your thoughts? No, you're, you're 100% right. And like I said, they're using the media to uh you know we use the old term posturing and and that's exactly what a what a peacock's doing right now i mean they're posturing in the media and that's what they're trying to do and you know a 60 40 split going into this would be fair and guess what on the other end of it backload it it would be more than fair to have a 60 40 reverse split if Deontay Wilder wins, then the next fight he gets sixty percent, and and AJ gets forty. So if the, they want one good, one's good for the goose, it's got to be good for the gander. I remember my mom used to say that. Anyway, uh, I I think I think that would be more than fair if they want to do something like that. And you know, I do understand all the indicators and all the points of that you make as far as why this should be held in the UK. But as I've said all along, it could also be presented and done in a nice way to have it also in Vegas or in the United States uh, with with some good success, I'm sure. Um, it, it's just a matter of, you know, not forcing or not having it as a as a leverage uh, for for Anthony Joshua to come to the United States. I mean, he's wanted to fight and be in the United States multiple times. Uh, he's expressed his interest to do so. So this may be his grand opportunity to be showcased in front of the United States. But he doesn't have to. And that's what I'm just saying. If that's a stumbling block, these are things that all can be negotiated with the rematch clause. And uh, the 60-40 split being reversed and one country hosting the fight and then the next fight gets hosted by the other country. So these are all easy negotiations. Well, you know, one of the things that I've heard uh, from, you know, inside sources is that Team Wilder are not, they're not pushing for a, a, a multi-fight deal. That their, that their stand here is a one-fight deal. And, you know, they're looking to, 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 you know, cash out in one fight, so to speak. The confidence level on Team Wilder's side is so high that they feel that, you know, he's going to go in there and knock out Anthony Joshua. I mean, that's their honest opinion. They really believe that. Um, and, uh, and and the truth, and whether it's true or not, we have to, you know, we have to wait to see. But, but you know, they're not pushing for the second fight. So whereas a second fight of a two-fight deal is the, the hook, you know, you, you backload that or, or you, you, you make – a variation of the purse split depending upon the winner in the first fight. I mean, that is the logical approach, but for some reason, Team Wilder is looking for a one-fight deal. I've said all along, how many times do I got to say it? The best, most lucrative uh, financial deal that these two guys could make 
uh, long term for their families and everything else is a three fight deal but two against each other one against the man or whoever they want the first fight is in England and then uh, they have the second fight against uh, whoever they want uh, uh, you know because one of them had would have lost in the first fight or even if it ended up as a draw uh, you know they need a chance to get a win and then the second fight in America um, and it's the end of the day. You know, these guys get three fights, and, and they're set for life. We're talking, we're talking the, both of them making, uh, you know, over $100 million over three fights. There's no other way to do it. I mean, AJ can, can make that kind of money because uh, he's already proven that he can make $20 million a pop uh, fighting you or me. Uh, Deontay, the most he's ever made is two point five. So, uh, you know, the bottom line is the stubbornness here uh, between both sides is really ruining the fight. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is, if, if this fight, Sal, wasn't in the heavyweight division, I think people would start to get turned off, like what's happening with Canelo and Triple G. I, I've gotten a bunch of, uh, you know, communications via text and, and, you know, personal emails and stuff that, uh, and, I'm, and I, I monitor, you know, the messages on, on uh, several of our, our outlets, and you know, I'll tell you what, the majority of the people concerning the uh, Triple G Canelo rematch have already dismissed it. They don't even want it. They're so pissed at, at Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya, they don't even care about the fight anymore. So, I mean, you know, you, you, you push, you push, you push, you know, marinate, 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 if you will. And then all of a sudden, uh, you shoot, you load, and that's the end of that. And that's what's, you know, uh, being, that could be be what happens with uh, uh, Wilder and Joshua. It could be, but you you hit it on the head the first time. Why it will not? Because it is the most uh, famed title in the world, the heavyweights, and this is this is why it's going to hold us and and have our interest, and we're going to ride it through. And I could easily see why Deontay Wilder is professing and saying that it should only be one fight or he's not interested in rematch why would you think he would do that the only reason why he would say that or do that was to make this one first first fight a big even kind of split in a purse or or close because he said hey he's posturing is what i'm saying this is going to be a multi-fight deal it's going to be at least a two-fight deal but if he was to say hey guess what this is it one and done we're done I want the most money I can for this. That's what he's doing. It's just posturing, using the media to get the most money he can, which I think he deserves. And, you know, like I said, it's no it's no uh, shy or, or um, a hidden fact that I'm a Deontay Wilder fan. So I think that uh, I could see him doing this and saying he wants a one-fight deal or just one fight to help give him some resources to say, hey, this is why I want to maximize my purse split right now instead of waiting for to see if there's going to be a rematch. But the bottom line is he knows there's going to be a rematch because both these fighters, as you said it, guess what? Boxing is still a business, and this is the way they make an income. And when you can maximize your income by having a two- or three-fight deal like you suggested, man, you're set for life. And uh, no matter what, you got to look at boxing in that light because, you know, you, know ha- you have no guarantees of tomorrow, the, and that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that 
you know, we none of this, none of this should be negotiated in in the press, the media, no. social media. It, none of it should. So, so the truth of the matter is, is whether you let the cat out of the bag, it's that it's a multi-fight deal or not. That's neither here nor there. It would be stupid for either of these two guys. Forget about who you think is going to win. Forget about who deserves more of the pie or whatever. It would be stupid for. These guys not to, you know, sign, seal, and deliver a multi-fight deal. It would be stupid. Who else? You know, li- listen, wh- you, you said it yourself. Boxing is a business, and at the end of the day, each fighter is, is trying to make the maximum amount of money uh, that they possibly can. It's a short-lived uh, business uh, when you're, you know, when you're a fighter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so with that said, you know, when you have the right dance partners, you know, and, and it makes me wonder, you know, if Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and all those guys were around today with the way the fights get negotiated and money is made, the amount of money that they would have made is staggering, okay? Staggering, all right? But, but even so, the truth of the matter is, is that when you have the right dance partner and you have the demand, which is already both of those pieces of the puzzle are there, there should be no other weight. The only problem is greed. Greed keeps screwing it up. And the truth of the matter is, is whether you split it 60-40, 50-50, you know, 70-30, whatever the case is, you're going to make a hell of a lot of money. And even, even you even said it yourself, I said it too, when the first offer was publicized, $12.5 million, uh, for one fight, or, you know, and, and there was actually a two-fight deal where they would backload the, the uh, uh, contract for the winner. Um, uh, you know, we thought that that was a substantial, you know, $10 million more, more than $10 million more than Deontay Wilder ever made in his life. And we all agreed that he should jump on it and that he was stupid not to. All right, so now the tables turn a little bit, and we say, okay, maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, stupid to not take twelve point five because now he's in a position to make uh, more money. But don't yeah. push the, but don't push the envelope. Well, he's not going to make. He's never going to make fifty percent. He's never going to make fifty percent. No, but as you were saying that, I have this little uh, uh, smile on my face, like the cat who ate the canary, because wouldn't you know? Lo and behold. As they were marinating and massaging that 12.5 million split, and and why we're saying, well, you know, it's a good offer, take it, or and 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 be happy with it. Well, guess what? During this marination process and everything else, look and behold, he he's looking at a bigger, bigger purse. And if that's why they did these things, you know, as you suggested, also, it's stop. It's time to stop pushing the envelope because. We're already maximizing what this could possibly be, and all our eyes are on it, and all our eyes are 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 open, ready to uh, to see this happen. For yes, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua to get all the monies they can to deserve that they deserve, and uh, so yeah, I uh, I, uh, I put my foot in my mouth on that one because uh, twelve point five seemed pretty fair a couple months back, but where they are today, if you want to call it marination massaging, whatever you want to do, they're in a better position to negotiate for more money right now. Right, but here's the deal, and we're going to take a break here in a second, but here's the deal, all right? It's an analogy. If you're a, 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 a manager on a baseball team and you have your ace pitcher and you're ready to play the most important game uh, or series uh, of the season 
and you say, oh, well, let me try and set this up. Let, let me put my second best pitcher in, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut the door down when I, uh, uh, in the second game, and I'll put my best pitcher in, and we'll, we'll go off to glory. Here's the problem. you got to win the first game to get to the second game. And if the guy doesn't put the best pitcher in for the first time, he may not have the opportunity to play the second game. And listen, boys and girls, that is what Deontay Wilder is gambling with. If he doesn't make this move and he can cry that A.J. is scared and, and all he wants, but the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, Deontay Wilder has never made more than $2.5 million in the ring, ever. Never. He made 2.1 or 2.2 against Luis Ortiz. A.J. makes $20 million every time he steps in the ring and he could fight the guy selling hot dogs in the stadium. So if I'm Deontay Wilder, it's time for him to sign the paper or risk losing uh, a life-changing payday. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, we were chatting about uh, the latest development with uh, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, at least according to uh, Deontay Wilder and you know his uh, uh, communication vehicle of choice, which is social media, which I don't believe anything should be negotiated in social media. I mean, people can can promote it in social media, you know, he said, she said, but uh, another one that's doing the same type of, or taking the same type of approach is Oscar De La Hoya. You remember Oscar De La Hoya, right? He's the guy that wears the fishnet stockings and, you know, has, has totally did lost. Did he really the, do that? Yes, he did. And he admitted that, by the way. And, um, you know, he's, I, I've lost a lot of respect for him and Gosh. Canelo. And we talked about this yesterday. You know, the, the simple fact that, you know, in lieu of what has happened with Canelo and the performance-enhancing drug use, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, and the fact that Triple G had always taken the high road. He did, uh, for the first time, get a little ticked off uh, at the situation, and, and rightfully so. But what really bothered me was the way Oscar re returned the fire, so to speak, you know, making it seem like it was uh, actually ridiculous that, the fans and a majority of the fans um, have felt that it was outrageous that he was downplaying it. And uh, it doesn't get uh, any better because uh, apparently Oscar De La Hoya is playing hardball with Triple G. Triple G uh, has demanded that he wants a 50-50 split for this fight in September, which I personally think he deserves. Um, Oscar says no. In lieu of everything that's happened, all right. In lieu of everything that's happened, the delay of the fight, the suspension of Canelo, which, by the way, he's still on, um, the fact that he's never been tested since he's enrolled in Vada, okay, um, and, and and all of those things, Oscar De La Hoya is saying, take the sixty-five thirty-five split that we agreed to the last fight that didn't happen, by the way, or leave it, and he is uh, threatening. To, uh, to go ahead and try to make a fight with Danny Jacobs, uh, Jamel Charlo, or, uh, in his own words, uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, so I, I guess uh, Oscar De La Hoya 
let his desire of fishnets get in the way of his spelling because hey 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 Oscar it's it's Saunders not Sounders uh, but uh, but here's the thing um, I think that you know first of all Daniel Jacobs uh, Charlo or even Sounders very um, dangerous uh, fights for him well well the point is is that any Sorry. one of those three including and Spike O'Sullivan was another one including um, you know any one of those would would accept the fight okay because it would be a huge fight so so in a way Oscar has um, you know some 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 juice here in terms of getting Canelo a fight it boils down to Triple G and how he wants to handle this you know if I'm Triple G I don't I, I, I don't take it man and and I force Oscar's hand let him pick uh, a, another fight like you just said Daniel Jacobs is not an easy fight you know, if he's saying that Triple G is big, Daniel Jacobs is a monster compared to Triple G. You know, so I, and and Daniel Jacobs proposes uh, some other uh, issues uh, for uh, Canelo, and and uh, you know Charlo's a big guy. He's not tested. He might be the safest. Billy Joe Saunders, uh, you know, he might even be. I, I don't know. But the truth of the matter I, I is, I see all three. I see all three a potential mistake for for him at this time. Well, that, I, I, I can see all three beating him. F- fine, but at, at, well, first of all. We can't keep putting Billy Joe Saunders. No, uh, we can't keep saying how great he is because he he had that one great fight against right. a stationary target. You know, you want to see a you want to see a guy who has really you know uh, lived through the 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 comments and negativity and everything else. You have to give Daniel Jacobs the credit. I was one that said, hey, look at his resume. He's fought nobody. The only guy that he ever fought, he got knocked oh, out. I by. was down on him, too. No, I, but, I, I but, didn't think he was going to perform the way he did. I thought he was a club fighter prior to that. Fight. But I'm just saying that no, it, when you looked at his resume, he had the one yes. good name on it, and he got knocked out. Since then, he's fought some tough guys, and he seems to get better and better. So I, I think that you know, there's a guy that, that has climbed, climbed the ladder, and he's a legitimate opponent for anybody in the middleweight division. So, you know, if he ends up getting the call and he ends up accepting the fight, he's no easy out for uh, for, for for Canelo. I think Canelo may be able to beat a Saunders. Uh, Charlo is untested, so maybe that's a safe fight. But, uh, but that's not my point. My point has nothing to do with who can win or anything like that. My point is that they're not going to make as much money. They're not... No, going to do no. as well. I don't Good think point. that the demand from most boxing fans wants to... First of all, I, I, I'm telling you right now that the demand for even the rematch is slipping. The, the approach that Oscar is taking, Sal, is hurting them. The interest level, as much as the interest level for Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua uh, are, are, is at least maintaining uh, its, its, its numbers... The, the interest level for, for the rematch between Triple G and Canelo are decreasing. And that is what uh, the greed is risking. These guys have to know when to say when, don't you think? Well, of course they do. And like I said, they can, they're going to continue to push this envelope and uh, they'll, pull it, they'll push it right off the table. And uh, I think that they really should buckle down and hammer it out. And, uh, you know, let's, let's look at it this point, uh, this way. I mean, Triple G is a multi-belt world champion. And uh, with that being said, he deserves the respect and the money that's going to go with this. And, in fact, that first fight that I thought he had won, uh, 
you know, we've been teased all along. We're going to pick it up in the 13th round. Well, let's see them do that because I, I still believe that Triple G will beat Canelo Alvarez. And he deserves his, his, his just due. He deserves his purse. He deserves to not be the looked at as uh, uh, just uh, just an opponent that uh, Canelo's going to go in and have the, his way with uh, all the negotiations. It's not fair. I got I saw this comment. I got some emails we're going to read later, and I got to uh, take a break. We got Larry scheduled to come on. But I saw this comment on one of our boards, and um, – Basically, it said this. Hey, Billy C., be consistent. When it's A.J. and Wilder, A.J. should be afforded every benefit because he's the A-side star. But Triple G asking for a 50-50 split, that's not too much. I'm not a fan of either Canelo or Triple G, but Canelo is the common denominator that makes it a big pay-per-view fight, not Triple G. Canelo, for love or hate, Puts the butts in the seats in America. He's the AJ of the United States. I found that a very interesting comment. Very interesting. And and I agree. I, do you agree? No, no, I agree. It's a very interesting. Do I agree that, that Canelo Alvarez is the AJ of the United States? I think it's a pretty hefty analogy. Uh, I I I don't know if I would go that far uh, to say that. Um, I don't know that he is the household name in the United States, meaning Canelo Alvarez, as much as AJ is the household name in the UK. I can assure you that is not the case. Well, Canelo is is a big name, obviously in Mexico, in, yes, Mexico in Mexico, in um, Mexico, yeah. and and not for for well, most people know who Canelo is. I mean, let's yeah. face it; he's on commercials and stuff like that, but. You know, to suggest that Triple G isn't a draw, I, I, you know, I always laugh when people say that because this is a guy that everyone keeps saying he's not the draw, he's not a draw, he's not a draw, but yet he sells out wherever he goes. You know, he doesn't have the pay-per-view numbers. Okay, well, he hasn't had the dance partners that, that Canelo has. Show me Canelo pay-per-view numbers when he fought a guy that wasn't named Triple G or wasn't named Floyd Mayweather. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I... The, the truth of the matter is, is in order to be successful in pay-per-view or, you know, anything in the, in the fight game is to have the right dance partner. Um, I disagree. I think that Canelo has lost uh, some of his support, at least in the States. I don't think that a fighter that, that gets popped for, for steroid use, that gets slapped on the wrist. We, we just saw Eric Molina get sentenced two years for steroid use, Canelo gets six months and he's able to 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 you know take a vacation, have some sur corrective surgery done, uh, you know all of these things. You know it's almost like he, he's glad it happened. Doesn't even not even man enough to show up to his to his hearing in Vegas, um, and and yet we're supposed to let all of that slide and still put him on the pedestal as the guy who's calling all the shots. I I I strongly disagree. I think that he should be held accountable for something. And and if that something means the, the split has to be changed, then that's some type of a victory for Triple G that I think he deserves, Sal. No, I, I follow what you're saying, and I, I don't disagree. And uh, I, I also would like to know those numbers of pay-per-view when uh, Canelo Alvarez didn't fight a Triple G or a Floyd Mayweather or somebody big, because I, I do not think they were as uh, 
as large as he may suggest his own name might be recognized. Um, no fault of his own. I'm just saying you made a good comment. It's the right dance partner. And Triple G and Canelo Alvarez make the dance worth watching. There's no question about that, my man. Listen, uh, go drink some coffee. Use the turlet. Uh, we are going to kick you Is to the he? curb for a little bit, and uh, we are going to go uh, uh, get Larry Hazard on the phone. So uh, Sal will be back later. For the rest of you, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. She Show. She Show. She The Billy C. Show. All right? Show. <laughs> Must have had uh, too much cream in my coffee today. Joining me right now is uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. Bail me out, Larry. What's going on, brother? What's up, Billy? What's happening, man? Eh, not much, not much. You know, I, today, you know, I got a couple of things to talk to you about. And I want to start off with, you know, social media has, uh, and the internet and all the technology has really changed our lives. Uh, and, and very rapidly so much, I don't even think people realize it, but... Um, one thing that really bothers me is I understand that social media, uh, you know, is used a little bit for promotion. You know, I'm going to do this to you. And, you know, uh, it gives fighters a chance to, uh, you know, go out there and, and uh, you know, do uh, what they used to just be able to do at press conferences and stuff, you know, uh, for weeks and even months leading up to a fight. And uh, I'm OK with that. But what I'm not OK with is when the powers that be start using it as a vehicle for negotiation. And it seems like that is, has quickly become the norm. And it bothers me because, you know, you, you're getting... I don't know about you, Larry, but and, and for you in, in your position, I know that you got to see a legitimate contract. Uh, you got to see something on paper. You're not going to accept a tweet from somebody saying, hey, uh, Larry, you know, we want to put this fight on in, in New Jersey. Is it okay? You're going to be like, hey, man, follow the proper channels. What's your thoughts on, on these fighters and promoters and managers that use 
social media to try to negotiate fights. And, uh, and of course, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the two big fights uh, that is happening through social media right now. De uh, the Anthony Joshua-Deontay Wilder fight and the rematch between Triple G and Canelo. Well, you know, uh, really, it's like everything else. It's, free it's, it's a free vehicle to be able to... Um, say what's on your mind, put your business out there in the public, uh, garner support for your cause. It's free advertisement. You know, uh, you, can, you can be on there 24 hours a day, you know, fighting for your particular interests. Unlike, you know, when there was no social media, you know, you have to try to get someone to write an article about it, a newspaper article, or whatever. So what it, what it has done, it has just, it's another tool, another vehicle uh, to be used for, your, you know, the individual cause. And certainly sports, uh, not just boxing, not, you know, and it'll be used for whatever, whatever, uh, it, it, you know, they feel, the individual feels, uh, you know, it, it how it would help. I, I it doesn't surprise me, you know. Now that they're, they're negotiating, talking back and forth, you know, who's doing what. It's just a uh, to me, it's just another tool, man, to um, you know, put out there to garner support for your side or whatever. It's like everything else in, in society, man. You know, whatever you feel is going to be helpful to your cause, that's it. So now we got social media. I mean, when you look at some of the ridiculous stuff that you see on Facebook and all this other stuff, it's just crazy. People putting their personal business on Facebook for the world to see. So it's no different in sports. That's, all, that's the way... Now you have your you have your own personal PR firm, so to speak, you know, right right at your fingertips. Well, when it's when it's used like that, PR, and I agree with you, by the way. Just a, a side note, you know, you know, people are so stupid. They they put up on Facebook, hey, we're going away on vacation. Yeah, we're going here. We're oh, going to go there. And they, they, then you say to yourself, uh, the first thing that pops in my mind is. Why are you telling everyone you're not going to be home? You know, then you right. have then you have you know burglarsrus.com. Hey, man, they're not going to be home for the next two weeks. They're going to be in Disney, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent about you know using it as a, a promotional vehicle for free, and you know the amount of of eyes and ears that can that can get it, uh, and not only that, but you actually are are in a position to increase interest etc etc but my point is where i feel that the line should be drawn is when the negotiation is brought out onto onto uh social media like for example um th this whole uh, both the bo both of these fights let's start off with with the heavyweight fight the uh anthony joshua deontay wilder fight now the whole way that Deontay Wilder and this $50 million offer was made, I thought was a complete joke, fabrication, PR move. But hey, 
It worked, okay? It worked. But never in a million years would anybody in their right mind that has been in any kind of business, forget boxing business, any kind of business, look at a tweet or a YouTube video and expect that to be um, a, a legitimate, bona fide offer uh, to, to do something, whether it fight or whatever else. And that's exactly what they spun that to be. And in addition to that, they've also gotten the support of the fans of, you know, obviously the Deontay Wilder fans that are saying those exact things. Well, they, you know, Wilder offered him $50 million and he's scared he won't take it. You know, what kind of crap is that? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, that was an email. That was a social media. That was a, that was a YouTube video that came from a fighter that doesn't even negotiate the deals. And yet the public perception is that there was a bona fide legit deal on the table and now uh because of that that method uh you know uh team uh uh you know aj has to respond and i like the fact that they're responding and and the communication is open but i just don't like the fact that it was used uh as uh, as a as a contract negotiator that's my point what's your thoughts on that well well see that shows you how gullible the public is and again it's being used in a, in a way that's not upfront not sincere knowing that and and of course you're taking they're taking advantage of the public for lack of a better term the public ignorance um, the lack of knowledge of the public so now what what happens you get all these Deontay Wilder fans Okay, now they're championing this cause, okay, based on uh, what could be fake information, information that's not authentic, because that's not the way to negotiate. So, you know, he's saying anything that he feels is going to be favorable to his cause, and he knows that people are gullible, and they're going to jump on the bandwagon, and that's what's happening. And I, I, me personally, me personally, this deal, this deal should have already been set, especially with the, um, you know, with the with the offer that was already uh, presented to Wilder that we talked about some time back. I, I still think that he's being ill-advised by, um, you know, holding out with all this nonsense. That's the fight that everybody wants to see, okay? And if he truly wants to fight. I'm sure Joshua wants that fight. Go ahead and sign the contract and let's get it on, man. You guys can do this two or three times, and you can walk away. You can laugh all the way to the bank. Then. Put that on social media, you know? You know, I, I, here's the thing. First of all, I, I made a statement earlier that if Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, George Foreman, that whole class of, of fighters were fighting today, could you imagine the money that they would be oh. making? I mean, I mean, if if a Deontay Wilder and an Anthony Joshua, no disrespect to either one of these guys, are 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 demanding the kind of dollars that we're hearing be tossed around, what would Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier bring? I, I mean, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But let me read to you a quote that uh, Deontay Wilder put out on social media yesterday. He says, "If we have the fight, and by the way, another strange thing, I, I've always thought that." 
you know, if it were me involved in the negotiations, I would be pushing for a three-fight deal. I would push for the first fight being in England against, you know, uh, AJ against Deontay. The second fight would be against whoever they chose, not against each other. So, you know, somebody would have lost, so somebody needed a win, somebody needed to stay busy. And then the third fight uh, happened in the U.S., uh, regardless of win, loss, or draw, that's what I would negotiate and have. And, and, and I would think that these guys, when all is said and done, would each be making $100 million over the course of those three fights. And you just can't make that kind of money. You know, I mean, obviously Floyd and Manny Pacquiao did, but I, I mean, you just can't make that kind of money uh, for three fights. Neither, you know, so, so that was my initial idea to begin with. Team Wilder doesn't want more than one fight. The one thing that I keep hearing is that they're looking for one fight. And Wilder said this, and I quote, if we have the fight in England, it's going to be in September. But if the fight takes place in America, then it's going to be November. We're still in negotiation, so I don't have a time frame on it yet. But I want to let everybody know that this fight's going to happen if they're still serious. We've been serious this whole way. Uh, Joshua said he wanted fifty million and he would sign tomorrow. We did that. We we offered him fifty million and he didn't take it. So that shows you the character of him or his team. I think Joshua really wants to fight, but I don't think his team wants to risk what they've invested in him. Their investment is about to go, and they know it. Um, to me, this is just throwing or fanning the fire of non-substantial, uh, you know, negotiation uh, terms. You know, again, they throw the $50 million that we both agree was kind of just a, a ploy. Uh, and then, they, you know, you, you, you insinuate that he doesn't really want the fight when we all know he does. And yet the public, uh, you know, the, the naive public is going to look at this as AJ is scared to fight. What's your thoughts? No, you're right. Well, first off, um, Wallen needs to hire you to do some of his negotiating because... Um, what what your plan certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that I think that uh, this is all a bunch of, of BS on the part of um, you know in terms of AJ not wanting the fight. I think that I think that AJ wants this fight in the worst way because he really and I'm not so sure. See, this is what really gets me about this whole thing. It, uh, on Wilder's side, I'm not so sure that Joshua could beat Wilder now, based on uh, the history to this far, especially with Wilder's last performance. I'm not so sure that uh, Joshua could beat him based on Joshua's last performance. And I really think that Wilder is being um, uh, led down the wrong path with this whole situation and I don't know who's doing this negotiating you know what they're telling him or whatever but I think that he's really missing the boat here you know and the longer this thing goes you know it's going to lose its steam at some point Billy I, so. I, I agree and, and just like I'm going to talk to you about the other fight in a minute which has lost its steam the only reason why Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder hasn't lost steam, or at least as much, is because it's a heavyweight fight. 
And it's and right. the demand is so much there. And and I agree with you, you know, that the fight is much more interesting now. And I also uh, agree that, um, you know, Sal had made this statement earlier, but I, I agree with him that maybe we jumped the gun a little too much when all of us thought that he should have jumped on 12 and a half mil because now it seems that Deontay could make substantially more. But again, you know, when are you going to let the greed stop? You know, the greed can be pushed. The envelope of greed can be pushed just so far. And like I said, if he was smart, he would be looking at a three-fight deal, two of the fights against AJ, and he's financially set, win, lose, or draw. And that's how the verbiage of the contract should be. The one other part of this deal that people keep forgetting, Larry, is that the guys that are actually going to be doing the contracts or signing the contracts or whatever, his management team haven't said a word. Shelly Finkel, Al Heyman, even Lou DiBella, who's technically his promoter, none of those guys have said anything. The only verbiage we've heard comes from Deontay Wilder or Eddie Hearn. Now, Anthony Joshua has made some statements about his desire for the fight, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but you never hear him say, uh, you know, specifics of the contract like you hear Deontay. So I, I agree that Deontay is being ill-advised. It's time to sign, really. I mean, the, he's, he won the battle. He's getting more than 12 and a half. You know, he goes over there, and like you said, you know, he's, he's got more uh, people behind him now. Go over there, beat AJ, and then the rest is going to just fall into place like a set of dominoes, man. Of course. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know if I totally uh, agree that, you know, that first, the first um, deal that was put on the table, okay, and we both agreed that, you know, three fights out of that, I mean, to me, that was a great deal. You know, you know, sometimes greed, greed could could be your shortcoming, and there's there's always the quest for more money, Billy. You know, oh, you know, we could hold out, we could do this. You know, you're gonna always have that, but you gotta strike while the iron is hot, okay? And I feel that um, this thing is gonna continue if it continue this way. That Deontay Wilder is going to come up on the short end, okay, of this whole thing because of this greed factor. I really think that he's being ill-advised, you know, as a heavyweight. And, you know, as time goes by, you know, there's the erosion of skills, everything. You know, everything everything changes as time, as time goes on. And so I think he's really missing the boat here, man, you know. I really do. Yeah, I. It's time, and um, you know they they pushed it uh, far enough. The people are screaming for it, and now it it's gone so far that when they announce that they're each fighting someone else, it's going to be counterproductive for them. It's actually going to hurt them. But let's jump into the other one, the uh, Canelo uh, Triple G rematch. Oscar De La Hoya is holding strong. Uh, you know, uh, Triple G decides that, you know, he wants a renegotiation and he's asking for a 50-50 split for the rematch. And you know what? I agree with Triple G. I think that, number one, he won the first fight. I don't even, I, I, I thought he won hands down, okay? Um, you know, it was, a, it was an entertaining fight, but I thought he won the fight. Then in lieu of all of the uh, issues that took place with Canelo, uh, testing positive, et cetera, et cetera, um, and then Oscar De La Hoya trying to spin it like, 
you know, everybody's, uh, you know, getting all upset over Canelo, which is, he said was ridiculous, which I think is not ridiculous because you're talking about performance enhancing drug use, which, you know, we all know about the uh, uh, risks there for the, for the opponent and the fact that he gets a slap on the wrist. He gets a six-month suspension. Eric Molina just got a two-year suspension for, for PED use. Uh, Canelo gets a six-month, and they're negotiating for the rematch already. They're already planning. He's not even out of suspension yet. And uh, uh, Oscar De La Hoya said, hey, this is our final offer, 65-35 split, which is what we agreed on the first fight. And if he doesn't do it, then we're not going to fight Triple G. We'll take Daniel Jacobs. We'll take Charlo. We'll take uh, Sanders. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think Triple G deserves it. And I think that, that Canelo is making a mistake because I know a lot of people that have lost a lot of respect for Canelo and they're not even interested in this fight, to be honest with you. Well, I pretty much, I've pretty much lost interest in this Canelo-Triple um, G fight. Uh, you see how, they, you see how they've um, sidetracked and switched. I congratulate um, Oscar. He's done a great job on, on what do they call it? Is that what they call a bait and switch or whatever? You know, I think he's done a great job. It's almost, you know, you almost forgot that it was um, Canelo who came up dirty. That's my, you see, that's my point, Larry. I mean, he, I think it's appalling that he's trying to twist it and make Canelo the victim. I don't think it's working. I think that it, I think he's trying but I think most people realize that, no, Triple G is the victim. And, and I and I tell you, it bothers me. I've lost respect for Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya because they're trying to spin it like that. Yeah, well, they're going to spin. They, you know, they can keep spinning. And, um, you know, in the end, everybody can be end up losing. You know, everybody becomes a loser because, you know, people lose interest after a certain amount of time, and uh, if I were Triple G, I would just move on. You know, I wouldn't, um, you know, Triple G, time is running out on him, and there's still a few other uh, good fights out there for him. And so, you know, that's what you have to do at some point, because the way it's going, you know, they're really not moving in a positive direction with this whole thing and the way that um you know the way that Oscar is going about it he seems to be set you know in his way it's going to be my way or no way you know so I think Triple G should start looking elsewhere let me ask you let me ask you this if 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 can if if Oscar De La Hoya holds strong which I think he's he, really, he's making some really bad business moves. Uh, he's been consistently making bad business moves since uh, Richard Schaefer was was fired or whatever. He he just he he's not that guy. I'm and and he's trying to do it and, and he's he's not doing it well. Uh, but let's assume that he holds strong. He says it's my way or the highway, and they choose the highway. And now Oscar De La Hoya sets up a fight with Canelo against. The names he's mentioning, uh, either Daniel Jacobs, uh, Jamel Charlo, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, and he's even mentioned Spike O'Sullivan. Um, do you think that they would do uh, similar numbers 
with any of those opponents. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the Daniel Jacobs matchup and stuff like that, but do you think that people would buy that fight as many would buy the, the Triple G rematch, or do you think that the interest is lost on Triple G and people are going to be interested in another fight of Canelo, or are they losing interest in Canelo? Well, I almost said all of the above, but let me tell you, I still think that you, right now, I still think that you would be able to sell the Triple G Canelo rematch if you stop bull crapping around and, you know, sign it and get it going as opposed to some of these other opponents. I still think that that's the bigger fight. Okay, with the PR, that could be done. With the drama that was raised in the first fight, all of these elements, I think, would would make for a bigger Canelo Triple G rematch as opposed to a Daniel Jacobs or this some of these other fighters. I like Jacobs, okay? I like Jacobs' chances against uh, Canelo. But I still don't feel that that would be a bigger fight than the rematch for Canelo and Triple G at this, right at this particular juncture. Because there's still life. You know, there's still life there. But I, you know, I, if I were, if I were um, Oscar, you know, I wouldn't push it too far because it could lose. You know, you know, boxing fans are, f are funny, you know. Uh, one minute they're real hot for a fight, and as time goes on, you know, they, they lose interest, and you lose out in the end. But I still think that if Oscar was to change up a little bit and, um, you know, just call it what like it is and go ahead on and make this fight, I still think that, there's a, a, a good opportunity there and a chance that they can still do good at the box office. I agree with you there. And, you know, uh -oh. I, but, but I, look at, I look at it like this. You know, Oscar De La Hoya, you, you could make the analogy that he's a bully on the playground, all right? And he's saying to everybody, 65-30 split, 65-35 split, otherwise we're going somewhere else. And, like, the bully on the playground, it's, I, I want your lunch money, I want this. Somebody punches that bully in the face and doesn't give up the lunch money. All of a sudden, nobody's giving up lunch money anymore. The bully was, yeah, was top. You know, Oscar, and, not and, to cut you off, Billy, but Oscar's making it appear as though Triple G needs Canelo. Well, that well, well, my point is that if he goes back now, if, if he said he's not going to accept less than sixty-five thirty-five, now all of a sudden, see what what Oscar doesn't realize he's doing. By, by, by publicizing these, these parts of a contract, again, going back to what I said, where you're using social media as a negotiation tool, now he's ruining his own bargaining power for the future. If he yes. fails and it ends up being 50-50, or even if it ends up being 60-40, people are going to know, hey, listen, when Oscar says he's, this is your last offer, doesn't mean it's your last offer. He's the bully on the playground that's about to get punched in the face. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is it's a stupid business move, and uh, and and I just don't I don't understand it. And one last thing I want to mention real quick. I, I know I got to go, but um, what you know throughout the whole thing 
with Canelo and Triple G, uh, the first fight and everything else, the lead up to the first fight. Remember, we, we had to wait years for the first fight, okay? Um, the big argument was always, ah, Canelo's too small, Triple G's such a big guy, blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out Triple G is not a big middleweight. He's, he's actually a small middleweight. The names that he's mentioning that he wants to take instead of Triple G, Daniel Jacobs, Charlo, and Billy Joe Saunders, they're big middleweights. These are Iran Barkley sized middleweights, you know. And, and and if Canelo thought that Triple G was a big middleweight, I would be I would be shocked if they would prefer to fight a bigger guy than him. Don't you think? I would think so. You know. So I don't know, so, man. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot, brother. Well, we'll see. Is we'll it gonna, see, but we is it going to be made? Do you think they're going to make it or what? I think so. Me too. Me too. I think I think we're going to hear the announcement sooner than later because they're yeah, going to they're going to want to start promoting it and everything else because it, the more it drags out, it's it's going to be counterproductive. It's it, there's no there's listen these two fights, uh, you know Triple G Canelo rematch and Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua, they do not need marination. That as a matter oh. of fact, the dragging out is hurting them. I believe they're naturals, and I and I think Oscar, I think Oscar. Uh, actually sees the larger picture. I think they're going to make it. Well, he's getting punched in the face then if he doesn't, if he settles for less than 65-35, uh, he's going to ruin his negotiation power forever after this. You watch, my man. You watch. Right. But uh, anyway, Larry, you have yourself a great weekend, and uh, we'll be chatting next week. Okay, Billy. You too. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer, New Jersey uh, Boxing Commissioner, and uh, a damn straight-up guy. So, uh, you know, I love talking to Larry because Larry knows as you know what. And, uh, you know, I sometimes I put him on the spot uh, saying, asking him things that he, you know, in his position maybe he can't answer. Uh, but uh, he kind of does read between the lines. We'll be back uh, with the blast from the past this week, William Choppy. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us, and it's that time again. It's time for the Blast from the Past, our longest-running segment. This show is in its 15th year, and the Blast from the Past is, uh, I think, 13. I think, think 13. May even be 14. i, I got to check with Jeremy on that. But uh, uh, this week's Blast from the Past is being uh, brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Sign up today. And it's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bow Championship computer game. The same game that we uh, have been offering as a prize for our trivia question. And the same game 
that my man, Alex Papali, uses to put uh, the blast from the past guy against the current champions. Who's the guy this week? A former world champion, William Joppy. And joining us is that guy that's going to tell us all about William Joppy is Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. We got a good connection today. It sounds yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that was weird last week, man. I was I I hate to do that, you know, uh, especially to you because I don't want you to beat me up or nothing like that. But uh, uh, you know, it was getting it was getting tough. You know, I was like, what? Well, you know, but uh, uh, I, he- I hear you. It's weird. Um, it's I did an update uh, last night, and um, I don't know. It just seems crystal clear right now. Oh no, it's good. It's good. Tell us about William Joppy. You know why you're drinking? Why you're drinking the coffee? Because yeah, and for his next trick, he's going to tell us about William Jobby while he's well, sipping his coffee. You know, but <laughs> I did the same thing to Sal today. Uh, you, you guys, the cameras on both of you. I was like, okay, so what do you think? And Sal takes a sip of coffee. He's like, oh, this is going to be a long one. You know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so tell us about this guy. William Joppy, yeah, he was born uh, William Terrell Joppy, uh, born September 11th, 1970. He is uh, five foot nine inches tall, and he fought at middleweight, 160 pounds. Um, he uh, was born in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, did I say September 11th, 1970? Uh, he was the second of three kids um, born to um, Anita Branison. And William Aubrey Joppy. Wait a second. Did you say of only three kids? Usually we're talking about fighters. He was one of 17 kids, you know, and it's like they had to fight their way to the bathroom. They had to fight for that one hamburger <laughs> they were splitting, you know. But uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, he had um, he started out with like a uh, middle class suburban existence, um, but it sort of uh, came apart at 10 when his parents got divorced. Um, and he went back and forth between the two parents, uh, also with a grandmother. And, uh, at 14 was when he, um, first, uh, went into a boxing gym. He went into the Montgomery police boys and girls club and began learning to box from uh, a guy named big Ray Hagen, who was a former sparring partner for Ali. And, um, but in high school, he was into all other sports. He did track, he did football, things like that. Um, and it wasn't, he had gotten into some trouble um, uh, and ended up in uh, a juvenile detention. And uh, that's where he ended up. He spent 18 months in juvenile detention. And that's where he ended up um, really picking up uh, a lot of the boxing. When he came out, uh, he started working out in. Um, uh, some of the gyms that were connected to uh, uh, Silver, um, I mean Sugar Ray Leonard, because of course Sugar Ray Leonard came came up through uh, uh, Palmer Park, Maryland. So it wasn't. Uh, it was like all in that similar area. And this was an interesting time for the D.C. area in the '90s because they did have um, several uh, top fighters. They had Mark Two Sharp Johnson. They had Joppy. Um, there were some other guys that were, um, you know, uh, known around that were, um, uh, you know, lurking around uh, the heavy, the professional rankings that were all from this area. And he, um, but he, he really got a late start into boxing. So his first amateur fight, he was 19 or 20. And um, 
He ended up getting, uh, you know, put on the amateur, I mean, the uh, Olympic um, auxiliary team. And, um, but he decided to turn pro. And um, so his first pro fight, he was, uh, you know, like 20 years old. Um, so he definitely got a late start, according, you know, uh, as opposed to a lot of the other guys that we see in this sport. You know, the thing about uh, William Choppy, uh, you know, uh, choosing to turn pro, he didn't exactly get an easy, uh, uh, you know, beginning of his career. I mean, he was fighting some experience, you know, with the exception of the first four fights uh, where he fought, you know, guys with similar record, either pro debut guys or, you know, one or two fights. He started fighting ex extremely experienced guys uh, from his fifth fight on. And, uh, you know, he was before long, he was fighting contenders. Uh, pretty quickly, I mean, the the first guy uh, that comes to mind two years after he turned pro was uh, uh, Joe Quinn Velasquez, uh, who was uh, t had twenty wins, nine losses, and a draw, and he and he forced a ten round fight. Uh, Rodney Tooney was his next fight after that, picked up one of his draws, uh, and then uh, two fights after that, he's fighting for a world title, which he won. Uh, so I, I mean, and, and when and then from that point on. Uh, you know, something that doesn't happen today, Alex, William Choppy fought all of the top contenders that were available to him. And as his career went on, he was fighting some some big names. Uh, but but you got to mention the Julio Cesar Green trilogy first. He fought that guy three times, winning two of them, uh, all three of the fights uh, being for world titles. Yeah, and that that first fight really had a little bit of everything. Um, it was, uh, you're right. I mean, he fought everyone that was available in the division. Uh, for a while, it took uh, it took some time before he faced Hopkins. Um, but of course, then there was the middleweight tournament that Don King created um, that, uh, you know, T Tito Trinidad was in and Hopkins and Keith Holmes and William Joppy and um, Hopkins ends up winning that. Um, but then Joppy and Hopkins faced each other uh, a couple years later. So, yeah, in terms of uh, anybody who's anyone at um, 160 pounds in the 90s, Joppy faced them. Uh, yeah, you know, in terms of, you know, we always do this, like look at their um, Hall of Fame credentials. Um, in terms of Hall of Famers, he's faced, uh, there's three of them. Um, one was Roberto Duran. I'm sorry about that. Um, and um, the uh, other two were Bernard Hopkins and Felix Trinidad. Now, of course, he had one win and two uh, losses um, against those guys. But we've seen guys with other uh, credentials, similar credentials, uh, get in and some who don't. Um, but if you think about it, I mean, he he all but retired Roberto Duran. He brutalized him. I don't believe it wasn't Duran's last fight. Hard to believe because uh, if you watch it, uh, Duran gets totally beat up. Uh, Choppy stops him in three. That was his uh, uh, first title defense after beating Green in the rematch. Yeah, against Julio Cesar Green, it was just the fight was in, um, uh, you know, it was very much, uh, he felt that it was sort of a, a bad decision. It was a close fight. Um, Joppy had him down uh, several times, and uh, or he had him down twice in the third round, and he couldn't put him away. And he claimed to have broke his hand in the fight. 
end up losing a decision. But of course, they faced each other again, and then they faced each other a third time, just because there it seemed like there was um, uh, just not. I don't know. It just seemed like he was running out of opponents. Um, but uh, yeah, when he fought Julio Cesar Green the third time, he stopped him. Um, he's a very talented fighter, very speedy boxer. Uh, he could hit pretty hard. And that was the thing. When he faced Tito Trinidad, he was really hoping that that was going to be his, you know, his breakout fight that he would, sh you know, show Tito, hey, this is what it really is at, a, at like at 160 pounds. Um, it was a good fight, a real um, uh, slug out, but uh, Trinidad leveled him and took him out in five. And in some ways, he was never really the same after that fight. Um, but the other thing, one thing that you do have to sort of, a uh, little caveat, um, the Trinidad fans aren't going to like this, but one thing to keep in mind is remember it was the next fight that uh, Nassim Richardson noticed uh, the way Tito was wrapping his hands um, was illegal. It was almost as if he was putting a, a cast uh, the way he was doing the wraps, and they made him change it for the fight with Hopkins. So the question was, you know, did he do that for his other fights? And Joppy always felt like, you know, he was getting hit with bricks. So I don't know. That's just one of those things you could throw into the, uh, you know, all-time boxing controversies. Well, similar to what happened with Antonio Margarito and, and Shane Mosley. But, you know, you, right. you you bring up something about the Hall of Fame, and, and we always end up with this discussion, and nobody knows what's going on in the mind of, of Mr. Brophy and how people get in and et cetera, et cetera. And you, 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 you mentioned how many Hall of Famers he fought, and he only beat one. Um, but, you know, I, I think what has to be taken in, first of all, he seven fighters that he fought, uh, retired uh, after losing to uh, uh, William Choppy. So, I, I mean, you know, that's that's ending the careers of some, uh, you know, uh, big names. But, uh, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is when you look at the guys that he fought when he fought them and the level that they were at the time, that has to be taken in consideration when you're looking at Hall of Fame. And I'll give you an example. Jonathan Reed... He fought Jonathan Reed in 2000. Jonathan Reed was undefeated 27-0. This was a guy that was regarded as like the next best thing. He, was the, he wasn't supposed to uh, really win that fight. They thought that Jonathan Reed would become a world champion uh, in this fight. And uh, obviously, William Joppy had uh, uh, different uh, uh, different ideas. Now, I always I get the two Reeds mixed up. Jonathan Reed was the one with that weird eye, right, with that lazy eye, right? No, and as a matter of fact, they do. They one of the photos I saw, they looked similar. Oh uh, yeah, like, okay. Which was the one? Wh who had David the, Reed? David what, Reed. Oh okay, all right. He had that, I, which I never, and that, that prevented him. But Jonathan Reed was twenty-seven and zero. You know, when he fought Trilix, Felix Trinidad, Trinidad hadn't been beaten. He comes back, fights for, after he loses the title to Trinidad. He comes back and fights an undefeated thirty-two and zero Howard Eastman. I mean, come on, you know, uh, you know, and then he gets another uh, big fight in Japan, wins that, and then fights Bernard Hopkins, you know, so I mean, uh, and then Jermaine Taylor after that, I mean, come on, you know, he was fighting some, some tough guys. The other interesting thing was that, you know, really his last fights, his career was over, um, you know, his, his last big win, I guess, over a name 
was Virgil McClendon, and, and he ended McClendon's uh, uh, career. That was in 2007. Uh, he won a fight after that. But his last five professional fights, he didn't fare too well. Uh, over that three-year period, uh, he uh, uh, only won one fight. Uh, he lost three, two of them by knockout, and he had the one draw. But the one interesting thing that I forgot all about, uh, Alex, was in 2011, now that's seven years ago, uh, he fought Bebot Shumanov for the light heavyweight title and was knocked out in six. Uh, what surprised me about that, uh, reminding me, was number one that Bebot Shumanov was around and you know fighting for title, you know had a title at that time, and William Joppy was still fighting in 2011, seven years ago. Um, but uh, but he ended his career on a winning note against Corey Cummings. Correct. And, and yeah, that was a rematch. Um, and, uh, he did, uh, he did go out, you know, on a high note with uh, a win. He did survive a horrible car accident in, um, June of 1999. Um, I guess, uh, he was on his way to a, um, uh, he, they were leaving, uh, they completed a workout at round one gym when his van was broadsided by a car and literally ripped in half. Uh, the next thing Joppy knew, he was on a stretcher at Prince George's Medical Center where he was treated for facial lacerations and a hairline fracture in his neck. Uh, he had been in training for a February 6th fight against Darren Oba of Australia when the accident occurred. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's a, I don't know. I mean, that that's a, a, a hairline fracture in his neck in 99. Uh, that was before some of his biggest fights of his career. So yeah, this is this guy is sort of a a bit of a forgotten uh, champion, and I think part of it is because because of the way he went out against Trinidad, uh, and there was nothing to be ashamed about that. I mean, he did get blown out, but it was a hell of a fight while it lasted, and. Um, it uh, he got caught early, you know, and you get caught early against Felix Trinidad. I mean, you kind of can't get your legs back if you get caught by him. He was a monstrous puncher, uh, and they never had a rematch. So, you know, I'm sure that's one of the things. He's probably a little bit like uh, Fernando Vargas in that, um, you know, oh, that Trinidad. <laughs> um, but I do think that. Uh, you know, he's a born-again born again Christian. Uh, he lost a daughter. Um, this is just absolutely tragic. And it was before the Bernard Hopkins fight. Uh, he lost a five-week-old daughter from what sounds like it was a child abuse uh, or an accident, horrible accident, but it was ru ruled a hom homicide by police. Uh, his five-week-old daughter, I guess, either fell or was struck. She... Um, Vashti was her name, and they had to take her off life support. She was in the hand, uh, she was being handled by a 13 year old uh, um, uh, babysitter. So it's sort of unclear as to what happened and whether or not. I don't, I don't see that there was ever any charges, uh, but the death was ruled a homicide, um, you know, from head trauma. Uh, so, I mean, that's just a horrible thing when a parent has to. Um, has to you know survives their child um but uh 
you know, like I said, he's a um, born again Christian. He started a um, an organization that they do have a website and stuff called Breakfast with Boxers, where they do benefits for um, homeless people in the D.C. area. And um, they do, you know, it, it has a connection to boxing where they do some training as well as uh, fight exhibitions and uh, and they help uh, feed the homeless. So he, he seems like a pretty noble guy. Um He's really, you know, if you want to look for like drugs and womanizing, um, you're not going to find that kind of stuff in his career. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is one of the guys, one of the middleweights of the 90s who um, he was definitely one of the, the top top guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, the way this sport goes, if you're not arrested or womanizing or involved in drugs, uh, people forget about you, you know. But, uh, you know, and and it's it's crazy. I mean, here's a guy that fought 16 world title fights. And and by the way, he was 11 and five in those fights. So, I I mean, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just uh, I don't get uh, uh, the uh, the whole uh, Hall of Fame thing. But. You know, he had some big wins against big fighters. Uh, was uh, definitely uh, one of the top uh, middleweights of his time, and it's a shame that uh, people already uh, uh, forget him. But uh, anyway, how did yeah, he? Do- as as far as I know, um, I'm not sure if he ever completed it. But in uh, I see a 2013 article. Uh, this was in uh, the Washington Times. Uh, the sports writer there um, bumped into him when he was in training for the New York Marathon. So uh, he's somebody who loved road work and loved it enough to um, to want to do it for 26 miles. Um, so I don't know if he actually uh, did compete in marathons, uh, but he was in training for the New York Marathon in 2013. Actually, uh, William Joppy does all my road work for me. That's how I stay in great shape. <laughs> right? but, uh, but how did he do in title bout, brother? You know, it was sort of weird. Um the results because I put him in against Golovkin and Canelo, the two uh, two top guys at middleweight. Uh, against Golovkin, he did better. Uh, the first time they fought, Golovkin stops him. Actually, it was a uh, uh, Joppy was down three times. It was a very close fight, though. For however, uh, the fight was even on two of the cards, but Joppy was down three times in round ten, and Golovkin stopped him at one twenty six of the round. When they fight a hundred times. Uh, Joppy wins 33, he loses 66, they have one draw, and he knocked Triple G out 20 times. Um, Of the 66 victories, uh, Golovkin scored 57 knockouts. Um, Then when he fought Canelo, the first time they fought, Canelo beat him by unanimous decision. Uh, He had Joppy down in the 10th and the 11th. And uh, the scores were really lopsided, 119 to 107 twice and 119 to 108. When they fight 100 times, I guess the, the, the game likes Canelo's boxing ability. Uh, Joppy only wins five. Uh, Canelo wins 91. They draw four times, and uh, Joppy was able to stop Cinnamon three times. In his 91 KOs, uh, Alvarez scored 42 uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in his 91 victories, Alvarez scored 42 knockouts. You know, that's that's probably the most surprising title bout result I've ever heard. And I'm not and I'm not suggesting that William Joppy 
uh, was the greatest thing ever to put on a pair of gloves. But I don't think Canelo's the greatest thing to ever put on a pair of gloves. You know, I mean, yes, he's popular. Yes, he's he's a fan fave and all of that. But, uh, you know, I mean, really, when you look at his, uh, you know, what has he done to justify? I mean, if, if we were putting, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard in or, or you, you're putting Marvin Hagler in there against him or whatever, you know, you could see a lopsided, you know, these guys, uh, you know, have the proven pedigree. Uh, Canelo doesn't yet. There's still a lot of questions out for Canelo. And the first one yeah. is Triple G, you know, but... Uh, Anyway, great job on that. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get your thoughts on something else in a minute here. But first and foremost, William Choppy, our blast from the past today, former world middleweight champion. He also challenged uh, for a super middleweight title and a light heavyweight title. Came up short. Uh, he had a career record of forty wins, thirty by knockout. He lost seven times in which he was only stopped three. He had two draws. He fought two hundred and eighty-two rounds as a pro. Uh, with a 61% knockout ratio. William Choppy, great job as usual. Alex, Alex, um, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on, on our uh, topics real quick before we, we let you go. Today, we've been talking about, uh, and this is kind of up your alley, I think, uh, technology and how much it's changed. And, you know, uh, from one side, I, I like social media and I like that it's able to be used as a tool for communication and and even promotion. But when it comes to negotiating contracts, I'm totally against it. And I can't believe that so many fans believe everything they see that comes out, you know, and specifically I'm talking about the two biggest fights in the sport today uh, that everyone wants to see, or at least most people want to see, uh, obviously, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder in the heavyweight division, and then the middleweight division featuring a rematch between Triple G and Canelo. What's your thoughts? Um, I can't believe the amount of discussion that's been go been going on online about uh, the negotiations about this fight. Um, to me, it's um, pretty uninteresting. I mean, I just want to see them fight, and I think most boxing fans do too. But like you said, in this strange reality we live in now where social media uh, is so important, and um, it seems like everyone has an opinion on how they split the purse. Um, and, you know, they're willing to fight tooth and claw over it. And I don't know. Um, I've been watching boxing since 1985 and loving boxing since 1985. And I can't remember ever sort of taking sides in a uh, negotiation. Um, the side I've always been on is I want to see the fight, is get it done. So it's sort of strange to me to see the way people, but I guess that's the nature of social media. It's a binary world. Everyone's choosing sides and uh, bashing the other side. So that's really what it seems to be seems to be happening with the way people are defending De La Hoya, that yes, he's right, you know, his fighter is the A side. And then people are defending Golovkin, no, you know. So I, I don't know, I've never seen anything like it. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, social media has has created this strange world that we live in today. Um, I don't know. You know, I have two two points. And, and uh, first and foremost, the, the Deontay Wilder uh, versus Anthony Joshua. You know, what amazes me about that fight and the way it's being handled 
is the only guy from Wilder's side that has said anything is Wilder. We haven't heard really from his so-called management, which is Shelly Finkel, Al Heyman, and uh, on paper, Lou DiBella. And yet, you know, there's fans uh, that watch this social media-based video of an alleged $50 million offer and alleged being backed up, which, as far as I'm concerned, in any business, nothing is real until you have a contract. And even contracts sometimes aren't real. Uh, and, and then to hear the fans take the side, well, he, he's chicken. AJ's chicken. He was offered fifty million. They got the money. He's, you know, he's turning down fifty million. He's saying no. You know, you got a guy that 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 created an Instagram uh, that made an offer, and, and even Shelly Finkel carried the charade as far as saying, well, all he's got to do is respond to the email before we send a contract. And and I'm saying to myself. I've never heard such ridiculous, uh, you know, moves in the business. And then the the other point with uh, Canelo uh, and Oscar De La Hoya with Triple G, you know, Triple G, uh, Oscar De La Hoya is trying to spin this as Canelo being the victim here. When this is a guy that was caught, you know, he cheated and, and he hasn't been held accountable. How do we justify a six-month suspension when Eric Molina, last week, they handed him a two-year suspension, and yet these guys are still negotiating, and Oscar De La Hoya is saying, well, all we're going to offer you is 65-35, and I think Triple G earned uh, the, the, the bigger split, at least 60-40 at least or 50-50. What's your thoughts on those two issues that are being dragged out on social media by uh, and Oscar De La Hoya, in his case, by him, who's the promoter, and then on the other side, as a fighter, doing the negotiation for a contract that really he's not doing anything with. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And I mean, if you're as a fight fan, it's hard not to look at both of those fights as 50-50 fights. Um, granted, uh, I mean, especially Canelo Golovkin, after what happened the last time, it was a draw. Um, how can you not say, let's make it 50-50? Um, and also, I think if you look at the attendance of Canelo's last few fights, they did the best when he was fighting Golovkin. So as much as Canelo is a draw, he's a draw, a big draw, when he fights somebody good. And Golovkin is going to put asses in the seats. So the idea that one of them should be making 65 and the other guy 35, that to me just seems outrageous. They fought once. We know how close it was. That's 50-50. Uh, Joshua Wilder, you know, I, I could see that one be a little tougher only because um, Joshua has such a uh, – domestic um, marketing power. Uh, so it does make it seem like, yeah, he should kind of be in the driver's seat. Uh, but they're heavyweights, and America has always sort of loved the heavyweight division. So you think, well, maybe, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Whenever you have guys that are uh, fighters that are, you know, uh, very talented like that, that everybody wants to see, to me, 50-50, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, why not 50-50 and then like a bonus to the winner? Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I, um, both those fights are fights that should be made and it's sickening the way, uh, we're talking about, uh, the negotiations. Cause to me, that's not, that's a business, uh, discussion. Uh, I got into boxing cause I like boxing discussions. 
hey, you know, I know you're an English major, but obviously you didn't do that well in math because uh, a 50-50 split and then... <laughs> hey, where would it come from? Where, where did that, where'd the other percentage come from? But so maybe we'll maybe we'll just say, hey, for Alex, I think what Alex meant, boys and girls, was 40-40 and 20% for the winner, okay? I, I'll cover your butt on that one, my friend. Well, but, uh, <laughs> yes, well this, this, this world goes to 11. Yeah, right. All right, my man, Lizzie, you did a great job and uh, we'll look forward to you next time, all right? All right, Billy Z, take care. That's Alex Papali doing a great job. I'm taking a short uh, break, and when we come back, we got a couple of emails. We got Sal Rocky Senecola. Don't go nowhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, back with us right now is... uh, uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. And uh, Sal, we got a couple of emails. You ready to roll? I am ready to roll, my friend. First one's from uh, Coach. Coach is, uh, says, uh, hey, guys, concerning a subject mentioned on yesterday's show, it didn't take long for the hypocrite left to do its flip from saying it's freedom of speech for the at-work kneeling NFLers to become immediately outraged against Roseanne a comedian for a tweeted racist joke. By no means am I saying Roseanne was right, but you can't have it both ways. And where was the selective racist outrage when Money Mayweather said we're going to cook that yellow chump Pacquiao uh, back to boxing? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I can't stand. I, let me just comment on that real quick. I can't stand the double standard. I can't stand it. Uh, you know, racism exists, uh, unfortunately, uh, for every color, race, uh, creed, religion, etc. You know, uh, I, I've talked to uh, people that have this illusion that uh, a, 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 an African-American can't be racist, which is totally untrue. You know, and the comment that Coach is referring to when uh, uh, Floyd said that about Manny Pacquiao, he was saying, yeah, we'll cook up some rice, blah, 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 blah. You know, that is a racist comment, you know, but yet there's a double standard. And, and that's really the problem, Sal, in my opinion. You know, I, you know, if we want to try to curb racism, you have to understand that it exists on all levels and you want to curb all the levels. You can't just say... Oh, we want to, you know, we want to work on it on one side, and everybody else has got to deal with it. I mean, don't you think? No, I, exactly. It's got to be there. Can't be a double standard, and there's got to be accountability and responsibility. And and you know, it's 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 should be nothing that we need to bring into the forefront when it comes to any any conversation or any level. No, you're and, right. Uh, you're right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Anyway, he says back to boxing. He says, what's your thoughts on the WBC Prez uh, Suleiman showing their tilted tendencies, urging Triple G to accept Canelo's terms? Um, you know what makes me laugh about that is what? that Canelo said that he would never fight for the for the WBC again after he avoided Triple G 
and uh, Triple G had won the uh, interim belt, and then the WBC subsequently uh, made his interim belt the the regular, you know, WBC world title. You know, the, the, the people keep forgetting that Canelo dragged on the Triple G fight, the first one, for several years. And now the same thing. You know, I, personally, Sal, Canelo has lost some value. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm really disappointed in Canelo because I was a huge fan. And I'm a huge, I was a huge fan of Oscar De La Hoya. And it's very hard to support the, the way that these guys are doing business. With Deontay Wilder, the reason why I give Deontay a pass, that, do I like that he uses social media? No. But the reason why I give Deontay a pass is because he's got nobody doing it for him. He's got to promote himself. So you, you got to give the guy a little wiggle room there. When it comes to Triple G and Oscar, Oscar's the promoter. So I, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't be supportive there. No, and I understand, and 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 like you said, you know, poor Deontay Wilder, he doesn't have uh, the the accolades and, and and the people touting the way they should. Like I said, Deontay Wilder should have been on talk shows, hosting big public affairs. Yeah, but been, not uh, nothing for nothing. When you say you want to kill somebody right. in the ring. I uh, you know, know I mean, little, people. But you know what? Can I tell you something? And like I said, I don't want you to think I'm always looking out or, or taking that, that side. But which you are. Is, which you are. Okay. If this guy, if do you think I'm a fan of Deontay? Uh, just a just a, a wee little bit. I. You know what? Let me put it to you in perspective. I think you like Deontay Wilder almost as much as you like pizza. I love Deontay <laughs> oh, Wilder. Well, let me tell you something. Had Deontay Wilder been given the recognition and the accolades and, and the promotion that his title and his accomplishments have literally earned or deserved, we wouldn't have probably never have heard that comment or, or maybe see, seen some of his antics. Because, like I said, it's the shock appeal is what being is being noted. And the bottom line is had this, this fighter been promoted – I mean, he's forty and oh. Yeah, but this he's only fought, forty. But, I, I don't care if he fought cupcakes. Yeah, I mean, okay, but he no, did. I do care. I do. Uh, care. He, he did. The and, bottom line is though, and 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 the truth of the matter is, is we can we can talk about that for a whole show. All right, we can. And, we can. but but yes, we can. but unfortunately, we, we don't have the time right now. So I got I got another email. But I, wish I, I was his promoter. I, I tell you, he'd be no, he'd be a known entity in every household. Hey, you heard Larry say just before that I should be yeah. helping him negotiate his contracts. I listen. If, I think you should hire the Sal and Billy team or the I, Billy and Sal to, team. To, we'll, to, we'll forget to, about to it. To tell you the truth, I, I know that I could get uh, uh, Deontay uh, uh, a better deal than he's going to end up getting. You watch. But anyway, uh, the last email we have uh, is. Uh, from my man Mitch, he says, uh, "Hey Billy C, we all know Oscar would rather wait another twelve months and have have Canelo fight Triple G next May. He isn't comfortable bringing him back to fight in September after a year layoff. Here is a way Triple G can get big money and use it as leverage to fight Alvarez in May. Now he's talking about May 2019. He says, go to Japan and fight the WBA's regular champion Ryota Murata in Japan at the Tokyo Dome." It seats 55,000, and I bet they can easily sell 40,000. Trust me, the Japanese would come out in large numbers to see that fight. The gate in Japan would allow uh, Triple G to, to make much more than people would think. After beating Murata, 
He steps back to the negotiation table for a May 2019 fight with much more leverage. He says, look, Oscar, I drew over 40000 Now you can't say anything. Oscar would have no choice but to swallow his pride and offer a 51-49 split and then go online to the masses and claim victory in the negotiations. I told you we would not give Triple G 50%, and I kept my word. Um, thanks for the email, Mitch. You're my man. Um, yeah. You know, I, the the bottom line is that the, if I'm Triple G again, if if I have my negotiation my, my negotiator hat on, and I'm Triple G, I gotta have this fight sooner than later. My career is coming down to an end. Um, I've you know the style I, I fight. Uh, I don't want to wait till May of 2019. I do understand the point, and I and I do agree that Triple G uh, is in a position to make some good money to fight in Japan or even fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders in the UK. If I'm Triple G, I try to get one of those deals uh, in the works, um, you know, contingent upon the failure uh, of a uh, Triple G uh, Canelo rematch. That's what I would do, a contingency-based uh, contract with, with the next available uh, big money guy. And he would have to look at who's in a position to put on that fight. And those two names are the two front runners, uh, Ryota in, uh, I mean, uh, Murata in uh, Japan and Billy Joe Saunders in, in England. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, like I used the analogy with Larry Sal, you know, Oscar De La Hoya by making that statement that he's not going to take less than 60, uh, 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 whatever he said, 65-35, um, you know, that that's a stupid move because any kind of, give and take there is going to be punching a bully in the mouth. Uh, and I just don't think that Canelo is all that anymore. And I think he needs to do some repairs to his image. And by holding out, acting like the prima donna that he is, uh, you know, as per Oscar's advice, I don't think it's helping him. I think it's hurting him. Well, I think you're right, too. And, and you know, it's like follow the bouncing ball. And uh, we, 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 you know, we as fans, you know, we endure what we have to put up with and uh, still keep our, our motivation, excitement and uh, desires to, to see the fight come to fruition. I mean, you know, Larry Hazard said it best, you know, basically what we, what we, what we are saying, you know, what we feel, uh, you know, the public wants to see these fights. The public wants to see, you know, you could toss it, you could you could make it and present it in any way, shape, or form against any other opponent. But right now, the pub, boxing fans, the public wants to see a Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua heavyweight championship bout, and they want to see Canelo Alvarez triple G fight. And that, that's the bottom line. Those are the two biggest fights to date that we want to see before the end of 2018. On this day in boxing oh, history... Boy. In 1987, Tony TNT Tucker knocks out Buster Douglas in the 10th round to win the vacant IBF World Heavyweight title took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1925, Paul Berlinback wins a 15-round decision over Mike Mateague to win the World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in the Bronx, uh, New York. Uh, on this day in 1923, Jack Bernstein wins a 15-round decision over Johnny Dundee uh, to win the World Junior Lightweight title took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. On this day in 1961, Johnny Caldwell wins a 15-round decision over Alphonse Salami uh, to win the European World Bantamweight title, and that took place in London. 
On this day in 1951, Ezra Charles wins a 15-round decision over Joey Maxim to retain his world heavyweight title, uh, and that took place in Chicago. On this day in 1924, Pancho Villa wins a 15-round decision over Frankie Ash uh, to retain uh, his world flyweight title. It took place in Brooklyn. Rumor had it that Frankie made a real Ash of himself, but uh, anyway, uh, and <laughs> that was bad. I feel like Ed McMahon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh God! And finally, on this day in 1889, James Corbett and Joe Chuinsky, uh enter the ring for a heavyweight fight to the finish uh, in California. But after four rounds, the police stopped the fight, and that's the way it was back in uh, those days. But here's uh, uh, Billy. But anyway, hey, listen, boys and girls, uh, we will be back better than ever uh, on Monday morning. So make sure you tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na